From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, taxi cab, RV, camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, your cabin in the woods. Welcome, 2016, and a happy new year to all of you listening in via the Conspiracy Show app. And my best wishes for 2016 to all of you listening in on one of our affiliates. And this week, we welcome two new ones, KMEDAM and K249ASFM. I've never heard those call letters before. Numbers mixed with letters. It could be a repeater transmitter. Not sure. But those are both in Medford, Oregon. KMEDAM and K249ASFM in Medford, Oregon. Welcome aboard the crazy train, as I like to say. Thank you so much to both of those new affiliates for making this program part of their weekly schedule. Wherever and however you're listening to The Conspiracy Show, I welcome you, I thank you uh, for your support and loyalty and good company. Uh, This hour, open lines for the entire hour. Uh, You can ask me anything. We can talk about just about anything. Uh, And here are the numbers. Toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Anyway, I mentioned the two new affiliates in Oregon. And we are following this story out of uh, Burns, Oregon. I'm not sure where Burns is in relation. I believe it's in the southwest of the state. Not sure where it is in relation to Medford, where our two new affiliates are. But there are a group of armed anti-government activists who are uh, encamped at a federal wildlife refuge there, vowing to occupy the outpost for years, if necessary, to protest the federal government's treatment of a pair of local ranchers who are set to report to prison on Monday. And the occupation of a portion of the Mel... I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Melur, perhaps? Melur National Wildlife Refuge, about 30 miles southeast of Burns, Oregon, uh, began a day earlier after a small group of men broke off from a much larger march and rally held on Saturday evening. Uh, The armed occupation is being led by... Eamon Bundy. Now, that sounds familiar. Uh, He's an Idaho rancher, and his father is Cliven Bundy, Clive Bundy, who led an armed standoff with federal agents in Nevada back in 2014, you may recall. We talked about that a lot on this program. And um, Eamon Bundy has described his supporters as militiamen. I got a bad feeling about this one. Uh, Those who want to go uh, take a hard stand, get in your trucks and follow me, Eamon Bundy declared uh, to rally goers at the conclusion of Saturday's event, according to several people who were in attendance. Not long afterward, the group had taken over the Federal Wildlife Preserve. Harney County Sheriff David M. Ward said authorities from several law enforcement organizations were monitoring the ongoing incident. Uh, These men came to Harney County claiming to be part of militia groups supporting local ranchers, Ward said in a statement on Sunday, when in reality these men had alternative motives to attempt to overthrow the county and federal government in hopes to spark a movement across the United States. Organizers of the rally, several hundred um, say, sorry, organizers of the rally say several hundred attended the procession through Burns, Oregon, a ranching town of less than 3,000 residents, in a show of support for Dwight Hammond, 73, 
and his son Stephen Hammond, 46, who in the conclusion of a decades of clashes with the federal government were sentenced last October to serve five years in prison. Uh, prosecutors accused the Hammonds of committing arson on federal land in 2001 and 2006. The men and their attorneys argued the fires had been set on their own property, once to prevent the spread of an invasive species of plant and once in an attempt to prevent the spread of a wildfire, and had inadvertently burned onto public lands. But prosecutors said the fires were set in an attempt to destroy evidence that the Hammonds had been illegally hunting deer on the federal lands. Wow. It's complex, but essentially we have militiamen with guns occupying part of a natural wildlife reserve in southwestern, I believe, Oregon. Uh, and they are bound and determined to stay there as long as it takes. Uh, as I say. And you can weigh in on this situation if you like. Uh, if you, if you live in the area and you're listening to the program, I'd love to hear from you. This one has me worried. I fear it will not end well. Uh, is this the beginning, one has to wonder, of a year of unrest, armed militanism, anti-government activity? I fear it may well be the start of something. Uh, the anger and anti-government sentiment in the United States in certain jurisdictions is palpable. It's unlike anything I have ever seen or heard of in my lifetime. And it is, I fear, about to get worse. So we will keep a close eye on that one. And if you want to weigh in on that. Uh, the other thing I thought it might be fun to get your predictions for 2016. Your predictions on the domestic front, uh, both here in Canada and in the United States. Your geopolitical predictions. Uh, if you want to talk about climate change, earth changes... Maybe you've had a vision, a dream. Uh, these predictions could be based on some sort of a, a vision uh, or a dream or a feeling that you have or just based on good old-fashioned hard work, research, connecting the dots, which is something we like to do on the program. If you have a prediction uh, on the health front, the cure for some disease just around the corner perhaps, 416, let me give you the numbers again, and uh, this is uh, in the 416 area, Greater Toronto Area, 416-360-0740, and toll free, 1-866-740-4740, again, 416-360-0740, and toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Now, speaking of uh, predictions, not sure if you heard about this. We tweeted uh, this story. It's a, uh, a blind mystic who made uh, some rather chilling predictions for 2016 and beyond. And she reportedly foretold 9-11, the 2004 boxing tsunami, the Fukushima nuclear spill, and the birth of ISIS. Uh, and she also, as I say, made dire predictions for 2016 and beyond. Bulgarian-born prophetess Baba Vanga, Baba Vanga, who died in 1996, aged 85, was known as Nostradamus from the Balkans. Oh, I like that. 
That's quite a handle. Nostradamus from the Balkans and Baba Vanga, uh, thanks to a purported 85% success rate, has long been revered in Russia and Europe as a kind of supernatural saint. Of the hundreds of predictions Vanga made over her 50-year career as a celebrated clairvoyant, a large number alluded to natural and climate change-related disasters. She warned of melting polar ice caps and rising sea temperatures back in the 1950s, decades before anyone had heard of global warming. Hmm, global warming, eh? Well, uh, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I would say right out of the chute, she's 0 for 1. <laughs> All politics aside, I think I've made it very clear. I don't subscribe to uh, anthropogenic global warming. However, I won't hold this one against her. Uh, because she's made hundreds of predictions, and uh, by all accounts, uh, well, 85% success rate. Her followers believe her vivid description of a huge wave that would descend on a big coast covering people and towns and causing everything to disappear under the water was a reference to the 2004 tsunami and earthquake, which claimed hundreds of thousands of lives across the Pacific Rim. But it's Vanga's preoccupation with a great Muslim war that has sent believers, conspiracy theorists, and Islamophobics into a doomsday frenzy in recent months as the world struggles to contain the escalating threat from Islamic State and its affiliates. The chilling prophecies warn of a 2016 invasion of Europe by Muslim extremists. Some might say that's already begun. A conflict, she predicted, would begin with the Arab Spring in 2010, play out in Syria, where Muslims would use chemical warfare against Europeans and culminate in the establishment of a caliphate by 2043 with Rome at its epicenter. According to Vanga, Europe as we know it will cease to exist by the end of next year, following the systematic elimination of entire populations, leaving the continent almost empty, a wasteland almost entirely devoid of, devoid of any human form of life, any form of life. If that sounds dramatic, consider the developments of the past year, which has seen ISIS edge perilously close to Europe with the taking of Syria, or Sirt, rather, a key Libyan city, overlooking the Mediterranean and the birthplace of the late dictator Gaddafi. Baba Vanga, there you go. The predictions of the blind prophet. Now, how about yours? Your predictions for 2016 and beyond, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett, and I hope you'll stay with me for the duration. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. So good to have you with me. You're great company. All right, your predictions for 2016 and beyond. And uh, we are going to begin with a, a good friend of the program, UFO disclosure advocate and uh, the... Executive Director of Zeland Communications, our very own Victor Vigiani. Happy New Year, my friend. Victor, are you there? Victor? Yeah, right here. There you are, my friend. Yes. All right, we found you, and you found us. We got you. All right, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. 
All right, 2016 is, uh, well, take it where you want to go. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be regarding UFO disclosure. Well, yeah, um, it, it, if, I'm not really one to, to make predictions. I just sort of sit and wait to see how things unfold and try to nudge them one way or another. Um, it, it's it's kind of hard to, to, to make predictions, but at least you can maybe have a look at some of uh, what's going on right now and how it's going to evolve um, in the next six to eight months and possibly um, a bit longer and how all of the different factors that have come into play regarding this issue, the so-called issue of disclosure, is going to unfold. I think we're going to see some uh, a real a real twist, a real change in direction in how people begin to understand uh, the need for disclosure and, and not the whole attitude uh, that we have to just go to the government cap in hand and ask them to tell us that this phenomenon is real. I think we've evolved beyond that, and I think we're in a position right now to almost sidestep the government and virtually ignore the kinds of um, assessments they have of this issue, because they do a great job of, of uh, an orchestrated job of ignoring and 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 uh, mythologizing this information. And I think it's time that we just sidestep these these people and go in another direction to try to achieve the kind of disclosure that that will be very meaningful to people. I I agree. Uh... And further, I mean, I think 2016 may be the start um, when we stop asking or relying or expecting those sorts of things to come from government sources. Precisely. Uh, and that's a healthy development. Oh, for sure. Um, the, the only thing that I, I kind of um, question my mind about what I'm suggesting is uh, in saying that, uh, the, the the Canadian theater, in terms of the political landscape that's going on right now, has really done a big turnaround, and it's being recognized internationally in terms of, of the new government that's taken the sort of quote unquote taken over Canada um, uh, to replace the Harper government. There is definitely um, a different feel in the air to this to this administration, and uh, they're they're sort of uh, on a bit of a high horse of being transparent and open, and and as you can tell, the way. Uh, the way Justin Trudeau um, is handling himself, he's become almost the darling of, of Canadian politics. And rightly or wrongly, or however that may unfold, the fact of the matter is, is we've got a very open, uh, on the surface anyways, uh, Canadian government. And that may provide different avenues for us too, but I'm not holding my breath on that. No, we're certainly in the honeymoon period. Uh, and, and so there are always heightened expectations uh, and certainly, yes, he is sending the signal that, uh, at least early on, that this is not politics as usual. Um, but that's often the case with the new administration, and there are there are always hopes for you know uh, renewed hopes for transparency and so forth. And mm -hmm. as whether these materialize under this administration, we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, but in terms of you, you, you hinted at sort of new directions. Yeah. Uh, is there any? Uh, and you and I have talked uh, about. Um, uh, a new initiative by Daniel Sheehan. That's correct. I think that's probably the the uh, the number one on um, on most people's list right now of the um, the cutting edge activities that are going on. It's, it would take a long time to really explain the whole thing. There was a webinar on yesterday where Danny um, uh, invited and the the host Costas uh, of uh, ET Let's Talk. They had a webinar yesterday, and well over 250 people were listening in on the we on the webinar. And uh, Danny uh, went on to explain, um, he was in Brazil at the time, went on to explain how the Vatican um, is uh, becoming interacted uh, with um, the, uh, the new Paradigm Research Institute that he has established. 
and the whole idea behind that is that uh, in uh, I believe it was in mid to mid to late October where Danny went over to Rome and actually had face-to-face meetings with the uh, director of the Vatican Observatory, uh, Father Gabriel um, uh, Funes, uh, a Jesuit priest. And they had uh, several days of meetings there, and Danny uh, made a request of Father Funes and said, Father, would you consider uh, being part of the new Paradigm Institute and, and coming over to Berkeley, California at the, at the university there and participating in an event which could take up to a year uh, in order to uh, gather... Um, uh, experts from all over the world to uh, come forward to analyze, assess, talk about, and have open disclosure about this whole extraterrestrial issue. And uh, at the time, Father Funya said, yes, uh, Mr. Sheen, I will do that. I will take a sabbatical from the observatory, and then I will come over to, to, to join you uh, in, in, in Berkeley, California. Now, the first six months of this, um, possibly even longer, from, I think, January to September, uh, Danny will be putting up uh, together a board of directors who will uh, send letters out and seek out uh, experts from all over the world in, term, in terms of you know, physics, science, uh, theology, uh, academics, uh, writers, journalists, as, as many people as, we possibly, as he possibly can, put them together and vet these uh, individuals and from that uh, select a, um, a really kind of high-profile group to come and form a committee. And Father Funes has agreed to be the chairman of this committee, and it has full sanction um, from the from the Vatican. This is coming directly from the Vatican, so there's no doubt about you know, the the origins of this. And the I think the institute, with Danny's uh, structuring, will give the opportunity for some very very high level discussions involving the Vatican uh, and and the general public. So uh, and and these experts that will go in to uh, look more at what the evidence is surrounding the whole ET issue. Is it uh, possible? And I I understand full well, and I know you do, Victor. That as soon as there seems to be sort of a marriage between UFO disclosure and the Vatican or the Catholic Church or the papacy, people throw their hands up and they say, "Well, now we'll never get the truth." Uh, and I know that Daniel Sheehan is uh, um, a Jesuit. A Jesuit. Um, but it is interesting this this partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what do you say to people? And, and you and I appeared on a stage not too long ago mm-hmm. when one of the guests did exactly that, sort of rolled his eyes and said, "Well, are you kidding me? The Catholic Church, the papacy, uh, and UFO disclosure will never happen." Mm-hmm. How do you respond to that? Well, I, I my, my overall assessment of that of that is sort of a, a, de- a dead end feeling about the possibilities, Richard. I think what is happening here is that we have a golden opportunity uh, to engage not just with who, but what will be said publicly about this. And uh, I think um, being uh, originating from either the New Paradigm Institute that uh, Danny Sheen has set up, or be it the Vatican, um, it's not going to be a matter of uh, you know believing or, or trusting whatever institutions might be put in place to look at this stuff. If you have a look at who is going to be participating and the whole model that Danny has structured, uh, all he's doing basically is using and, and trying to grab the, the ears of a lot of different people on this whole issue in terms of the experts that have up until now completely rejected uh, th- this whole thing. So what he's going to be, ca- he's not going to be calling him on a bunch of people that already believe this stuff. Um, he looks like he's going to be uh, trying to capture people who have big, big questions about it. And I think the forum... Uh, through the Vatican as an international institution, 
regardless of your feelings one way or another. The fact is there will be open dialogue for the very first time in history uh, about the UFO ET issue. And I guess that's the, the probably the main feature that we have to look at here, not who it's coming from. That it, it, you know, If it happened to be the United Nations, you know, so be it too. But it, it so happens that we have the man in Daniel Sheehan, um, uh, former uh, you know, uh, Jesuit um, lawyer, uh, he was he he um, he's not a Jesuit priest. He's a so he's right. a lawyer who represented the uh, uh, the Jesuits uh, here in 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 North America. So he did that for several years. So he knows this order, and the fact that uh, the current Pope is a Jesuit is propelling this issue even further. When Pope Francis comes out and starts attacking corporations for their part in uh, in in you know destroying a planet, and he's made some very clear statements about that. So the the idea behind the Vatican's new direction and openness is something that I think Danny is taking advantage of. And being a former Watergate lawyer and someone who was involved in the release of the Pentagon Papers, we're talking about a man who's very compelled about issues. He, he has a, an enormous amount of gravitas, to be that, sure. You're absolutely correct. Uh, Victor Vigiani, uh, Executive Director of Zeland Communications. Uh, Victor, do you think the Pope is under the same sort of pressures as the President of the United States, uh, in, in other words, behind closed doors, this monumental struggle behind those who want to disclose and those who do not? Mm. That, that's a very good question. Um, I, I, you know, having been brought up as a Catholic, you know, you, you get to sort of um, become rather uh, close to the uh, actual structure of the Church, and, and I did a lot of work within the Church itself in, in, on, a, on a diocesan level here in Toronto. So I know how the the, uh, the church operates in terms of the uh, the, the the hierarchy, the, you know, the cardinals, the bishops, and all of the institutional the people who, who hold the Catholic Church together in the in the diocese all over the planet. Uh, you get to understand how they work, and it's um, almost like a military structure in some ways. Um, however, um, uh, the, the 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 head of the church, being the Pope, uh, this man has an incredible amount of power and authority. Uh, very often, you know, people have one or the other, but he has the power uh, and the authority, um, you know, power being influence and, and just the, the gravitas of his presence, plus the authority of the church. So he's probably, when you get right down to it, probably the most um, powerful individual on the planet in terms of redirecting public interest towards any issue that he wants. Because, I mean, I don't know how many Catholics there are. There's billions of Catholics worldwide. And when you can command the attention of that many people, regardless of how they might feel or others might feel about the church, if you can grab their attention in the way that Pope Francis has, you've done something. And this man has managed to do that. And I feel that this whole connection that Danny's making with the Vatican is going to allow that kind of influence from the Pope, which could not come from the president. There are too many political uh, machinations there that would have to go on in order for the president to, to lead this as, uh, as Funes is, or even if you want to say, that, uh, that uh, Pope Francis is leading this. I wouldn't say that just yet. I, I'm not saying that he has anything to do with the public articulation of this issue yet. He may eventually, but right now I think he's sitting back, relaxing with his uh, new movement uh, fully astride and just see how things happen. Uh, we need to work on getting Daniel Sheehan and Father Bruno Funes on this program. Do you think that's yes. possible? Yep. Yeah, we are. Um, um, he, he's, he's well aware that uh, that we want to have him on the program, Richard. Um, I've spoken to him twice now. Um, he he not only he would love to be on the program, but he's also um, uh, showing some interest in being part of the uh, uh, of a conference coming up here in in um, in Brantford, Ontario, at the end of June, uh, the ACE conference. Um, 
it's a cosmic expo that uh, that um, that we're going to be having, and, and I'm glad to you know say that you, you could be part of that too. Yes. But we'll be part of that, in fact. Um, so that that conference is going to be very very important, and I think that um, him coming up here uh, to to be part of that would be very very important. Now, when you say he, you're saying Daniel Sheehan. Are we including the head of the Vatican Observatory, Father Bruno Funes, as well? Wow! If we could ever do that, Richard, it would just blow me away. Um, if <laughs> the thing is, right now, uh, as far as um, the webinar information came, yes, as of yesterday. Uh, between uh, January and, and, and August of, of, um, of this year, Father Funes will be teaching a course on extraterrestrial uh, policy and procedures in, in Argentina at, at a university down there. So he will be occupied uh, in, in Argentina from, uh, I believe, the you know, beginning of January right through to August. Well, perhaps by Skype. You know, if we could arrange that, and uh, if you know, if I could talk to Danny to, to pull that one off, that would be a, a coup like... Uh, you could never imagine or describe. <laughs> well, well, in the meantime, we'll work on getting uh, the head of Vatican Observatory and Daniel uh, on, on this program. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, Victor, a website for Zeland, please. Yes, all people have to do is just simply Google um, uh, our, our, our title, Zeland Communications. Just Google Z-L-A-N-D Communications, all one word, and you'll come up with... Uh, all the good stuff that, that we have to offer uh, on, on the network that we that we provide. All right, I'm sure you'll be issuing uh, regular dispatches on Daniel Sheehan's uh, initiative with the head of the Vatican Observatory. They're in the hopper right now. I've got them all sequenced, as a matter of fact. But just waiting for his go-ahead to uh, uh, to blow this out in the open, so uh, uh, to get it public in the way that we want. All right, Victor, happy New Year to you, my friend. Thank you for checking in. All the best, brother. Take care. Bye now. All right, Victor Vigiani, Zeland Communications. Uh, let's say hi to George here in Toronto. George, welcome and happy New Year. Well, happy New Year to you, Richard. You know, there was a couple lines in an Iggy Pop song uh, on board. It goes, uh, I'm sick. I'm sick of all the stiffs and I'm sick of all the dips. <laughs> and that's pretty much how... I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of the stuff in the world, but in particular, I was going to talk about something I saw on CPAC today was uh, the head of the Bank of Canada, Mr. Polos. Mm-hmm. He was talking about you know, the economy a bit, interest rates, and you know, your last guest, not Victor, the, the, the one you had in the first hour, kind of alluded to how the stock market and markets in general are not reacting to the reality of the economy. Exactly. I think I've been noticing this for a while. And Polos was saying, you know, well, we've got tools. Central banks have tools. We can go to negative interest rates like they have over in, I think it was Switzerland or someplace. We can use um, <clears throat> asset buying back, which I think um, they've done in England. And um, let's not forget about bail-ins. Yeah, bail-ins, all this kind of, it's just crap over Richard. You know, sure, the stock market's been going up, but the savers who want to, the, the retired people who want to put their money into something safe, they're getting diddly squat. The banks don't care, right? They want to try and force people into these the stock market and other riskier ventures. And yeah, they're trying to soak up all this excess liquidity. Yeah, and don't forget, too, you know, Richard, he was making the point we've got quantitative easing as another tool. And then he, he 
said, you know, that's been tried in Japan and it works. What well, hasn't worked? No, it has not worked. Japan has been mired in 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 a recession for over twenty years now. All these central bankers are a bunch of freaking liars. I've got to get Rocco Galati back on the program the, uh, to, to find out what's going on with that uh, uh, court case against the. Uh, uh, well, I guess he's named uh, everyone from the, uh, the the former finance ministers to the Queen of England in conspiracy as it, with regards to the Bank of Canada Act. Uh, George, Happy New Year. Thanks for checking in. I've got a great story about bankers in Switzerland when we come back. Thank you. Open lines. Stay with us here on The Conspiracy Show. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sapp. All right. If you've got a line, hold on to it. I will get to you. Uh, we had a, a caller earlier, George, talking about banks and banksters. And this is another story uh, that we tweeted earlier, uh, yesterday or today. Switzerland to vote on banning banks from creating money. A referendum on, rat, uh, on a radical proposal to give central banks sole money creation power will be held after a petition gained 110,000 signatures. Switzerland will hold a referendum to decide whether to ban commercial banks from creating money. The Swiss federal government confirmed on Thursday of this week that it would hold the plebiscite after more than 110,000 people signed a petition calling for the central bank to be given sole power to create money in the financial system. The campaign, led by the Swiss sovereign money movement and known as the Volgeld Initiative, is designed to limit financial speculation by requiring private banks to hold 100% reserves against their deposits. So, uh, essentially, an anti-fractional reserve banking. Bankers won't be able to create money for themselves anymore. They'll only be able to lend money that they have from savers or other banks, said the campaign group. Under Switzerland's direct democracy... A referendum can be held if a motion gains 100,000 signatures within 18 months of launching. If successful, the sovereign money bill would give the Swiss National Bank a monopoly on physical... Whoops. Just got a pop-up on my... I was reading this from my iPhone, and uh see if I can get that story back. Well, there. Anyway, I've lost the story, but uh, you get the idea. Wow. Can you imagine if... That referendum passes. Switzerland. I mean, we had something similar with Iceland a few years ago. wasn't reported widely in the news, but essentially it was a it was a revolution. A citizens' council took over the government. They threw all the politicians out. They sent bankers to jail. All right, Ed is in London. Ed, happy New Year, my friend. Here. When are we going to get the real democracy? Never. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd like to make a comment on uh, what you're saying about the hopefulness uh, of the new government. One I do not share, however. I don't share that either. My uh, new quote is that we're going to get Obama change. Exactly. Yes. To me, the most important fast in the election was the C-51 and the TPP. And those two issues, I'm probably on my own with all my acquaintances. But anyway, it seems like we're not getting any change to those two items, really. No, you don't get fundamental change uh, ever uh, under this system of government. 
because it's an illusion that we have three parties. We have individuals who are vying to be the CEO of the board of directors. Uh, and so they talk change. They talk a good game, of course, before the election, but once they get into power, it's back to normal. There really isn't any difference. Uh, well, there, Trudeau's that in a sense, but uh, Mulcair said he would definitely cancel both of those. And I was a little disappointed that didn't happen. Well, but then, you know, what happens is they say that, but then it's like, how often do we hear, for example, uh, you know, they're going to all of these spending bills or, or, or whatever and uh, campaign promises where they bribe us with, with our own money. And then when they get into power, it, it's like it came down from central script writing in Hollywood. You can... You know what they're going to say. We didn't realize how much of a mess they left us. We didn't realize the cupboards were bare. I mean, I can I can lip sync it before they even say it. it. It's it's the same nonsense. And I uh, uh, I have no. I mean, they, they will make some some changes on the social uh, front. They you know they might they may manage to legalize marijuana. I'm right. kind of a split mind of that. But the fundamental. Issues they will not change. They, they're not going to, for example, um, you know, uh, uh, adhere to the the Bank of Canada Act. Right. They're not going to do that. They're all in on the game. Seems to be. I tell you, the funding funding portion of that C fifty one is the most dangerous uh, and scary part for me. To increase the funding to CSIS. <laughs> I'm sure they're doing things beyond their mandate already. Increasing their mandate, even with oversight, is going to be useless. All right, Ed in London, thank you for checking in. Happy New Year to you, and uh, we shall see. We'll talk again. All right, my friend. Okay. All right, uh, we have just about a minute or two before the break. Uh, so um, I know our good friend, media scientist Nelson Thal, is uh, is there. So hold on, Nelson, because we're going to go into a break. I'll get to you after the break. Uh, Albert Vinzel, uh, the first time on mic in 2016. We'll go and dip into the mailbag now. What have you got for us? Okay. I, I've got Whoops. One. Okay, there we go. Start again. Okay, I've got three of them. I, I start, The first one says, hello, Richard, big fan. Just a note, as I enjoy your podcast very much, I am wondering if you will consider having Peter Lavinda on as a guest. He really seems to connect a lot of the dots especially between UFO connections to the JFK assassination. I've read his books and heard him speak. He's full of value. Keep up the great work. I will be listening. Colin. All right. Where's Colin checking in from, does he say? Um, let me see. It just. I think it said MB, which I think is Manitoba, isn't it? Uh, it just says inquiry email. All right. Uh, Peter Lavenda, we've never had him on the program, and he he does connect a lot of dots. I mean, not only between UFOs and JFK, but also Nazis. And uh, you know, let's do that, uh, Albert. Let's make that our New Year's resolution. We will get Peter Lavenda on the program. If you're listening, Colin, that's just for you. You make the requests, and we play the hits. <laughs> you got. We have time for one more quick one, Albert. Okay, it's from Gene, and it says, Richard, big fan, from California, Silicon Valley Bay Area. Listen in, on TuneIn app. Um, we got a lot of followers on TuneIn. Yeah, he says, listens uh, at night with a set of sleep headphones. So he plugs into his smartphone and plays the show. Uh, shuts, shuts down the timer as he goes to bed. 
show is often doom and gloom, but I find comfort in your program as it really helps me. Uh, I feel your program helps put all the cards on the table, and I know at least there is no hidden BS. I have a BA in sociology. Uh, the biggest thing we learned is not to be tricked, not to be tricked by the media, history books, politicians, or from the current common scene. I believe you said something along those lines on the show. Indeed we have. All right, uh, Albert, and what was his name again? This is Gene from California. All right, Gene in California. Happy New Year. Thanks for your lovely email. When we come back, Nelson Thal, media scientist, checks in with his predictions for 2016. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Seller. All righty. Welcome back. Uh, next week on the program... Patty Greer, uh, the crop circle lady, but she's going to be on the program to talk about something very different. She underwent, uh, like a lot of people, she had uh, fillings um, uh, made of mercury, and uh, she has suffered a lifelong battle with, she believes, mercury poisoning. And uh, so she's going to be on with a dentist uh, to talk about mercury poisoning. And there are a lot of people walking around with those amalgam fillings that contain mercury. And um, that should be interesting. And also, of course, Rosemary Ellen Guiley will return with our uh, first Paranormal News Roundup of 2016. All right. Right now, we have our uh, another good friend of the program checking in, media scientist, archivist for the late Marshall McLuhan, JFK assassination researcher, Nelson Thal. Hey, Nels, how are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, Richard. Great show. Thank you. All right. What do you see in 2016? Well, I think it's going to continue a lot of what is already happening. Um, so uh, what you see now is what is going to happen, but probably get a lot, a little bit more intense uh, as the war heats up between the... Um, uh, basically, between the West and uh, and the tribes of the Middle East, things are definitely going to heat up and become more violent. And uh, I think at some point we'll see. I don't know if this year is the year for it. We'll see. Uh, I think we're in for a. Uh, we've had Hiroshima, Nagasaki. They haven't ever. We haven't had any of these technologies that there's always a technology that's going to be used. It's never just kept on the shelf. At some point, it's used. So. I think at some point we're going to have a tactical atomic bomb go off. As a matter of fact, remember uh, Benton Parton, uh, the, who was uh, we looked into and interviewed, he pointed out that um, they used a small tactical one at Oklahoma, at, um, in Oklahoma at the Murrah building, and all the sniff dogs died of radiation poisoning. You and, remember and, that. So, and, Benton Parton, very... and Benton Parton was on the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he was the head of Reagan's non-nuclear arsenal, correct? Right. And he was hired by the FBI to do the report at Oklahoma City and claim that the fertilizer bomb could never have destroyed the building because it was from a bomb out from inside, not outside. And of course, but um, I think we're going to have the same sort of thing. Look for that to go off. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, what faction of, of the tribe of Manasseh that Trump represents, whether he's a Benjaminite or a Manassite, and what his game plan is. So... Uh, but it's hard to really tell. But um, in the past, there's been Samsons, and the people are crying out for a savior right now. Americans are realize that they're in big trouble, 
and they're crying out for a savior. And the question is, will he come and will it be Trump? Will he be the last Trump? It's hard to tell. We'll just have to watch. The last Trump, that's, there's a, that's a biblical illusion. At the last Trump. We do know that the Great Tribulation is coming and the collapse of the English-speaking nations. That's predicted in the pages of the Bible. And, and so far we found it to be extreme, extremely accurate as media scientists. Uh, how about on the Canadian uh, front? Uh, anything jumping out at you? We, uh, I was talking about the Bank of Canada Act, and I had Rocco Galati on last year uh, because he was involved with this court case uh, charging everyone from the former prime minister, former ministers of finance, the Queen, uh, the Queen of England with conspiracy because we have this thing called the Bank of Canada Act, and it is largely ignored. They don't. Um, they don't use it, and 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 um, you know we are supposed to be able to use the, the Bank of Canada uh, to, to to lend money to provinces, municipalities, to the federal government at low or no interest. This was how the St. Lawrence Seaway was paid for. This is how our our war effort during the Second World War was paid for, and then something happened in the early to mid 70s, uh, and they basically shelved the Bank of Canada Act. Well, you know, you end the show uh, with the quote, the biblical quote. Do you want to just repeat it right now? Because I think that's a, what's going to happen. Everything, what, what is it? How do you Well, it's it from off? Matthew. It's don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. Yeah, and I think that in the next year, we're going to see a lot of things that state secrets that have been kept from the people are going to more and more get out because that's... Uh, what's happening? More and more of the state secrets, the ruling elite hope you don't learn, are coming out more and more and more. Like the Benton Parton, look at that. There's just been so many uh, things that have been revealed and exposed, and uh, it's up to every person to make himself a committee of one and do the research for himself as well. Does this mean that the the elites are losing their hold, their grip? I think the elites are losing their hold, their grip, and I think more than that, the media has lost its hold and grip on the collective consciousness and are very desperate for for an audience. And, I mean, look, at they're using Trump as fodder every night. Well, it's a, well, it's a perfect illustration how the MSM is losing their control because it's it's quite obvious, love or hate Trump, there is a concerted effort to take him down, and yet the MSM is proven to be completely powerless because no matter what they throw at him instead of weakening him all they do is strengthen him because the people are so fed up i mean the only you know they they hold in the united states certainly the u.s congress in such low regard i think that the approval rating for congress now is somewhere around 20 percent 20 percent and i think it's about the same for the msm well, in ancient America, they had a savior, and his name was Samson. He rescued the United States, and his power was in his hair. And we could very much have the same thing with Trump. He may be a Samson number two. Oh, with the hair. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Ian yeah, Robertson is, is shaking his head. His hair like Samson? <laughs> Who knows? Interesting, interesting. Except Samson didn't use uh, a couple of cans of hairspray every day, however. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Nelson, anything? How about um, on the JFK front? Uh, you know, um, we are getting to the point where just about anyone who had anything to do with that uh, is either dead or, you know, getting very, very long in the tooth. Will we start to see some deathbed confessions? Yeah, I think, well, exactly, we will. 
and a lot of it has come out already. As a matter of fact, Tom Hennigan has published about Operation, you know, they called it, Bush called it Operation Elm Street. I didn't realize that after 30 or more years of studying intensely the Kennedy assassination and meeting a lot of the witnesses down at the Kennedy um, conventions, um, they called it Operation Elm Street. Isn't that interesting? I've it never is. heard that before. It is, because, yeah, that was obviously one of the streets on the parade Elm. route. Houston and, and Elm. And, and how do we know that George Bush called it Operation Elm Street? Where did that come from, that um, French story? intelligence. Remember, French. The, remember all, the, all the big intelligence that's come out of the truth came out of thanks to French intelligence. They have been the ones who they were watching in Dealey Plaza. A lot of the other intelligence agencies were watching uh, where they had agents just watching and, and collecting so that they could use it, uh, they could use the evidence for extortion purposes. I mean, this right. was the thing about it. The people who pulled off the assassination couldn't do it in private, so they've been paying extortion money, and Sherman Skolnick talked a lot about the uh, George Bush's nut every month, right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so could 2016 be the year that we finally solve JFK, or is that wishful thinking? I think it's wishful thinking that the public will ever know about it, but certainly we really have got it solved, and um, it's not difficult. It was solved. The district attorney of the state, the district attorney was bang on. Garrison wrote about it, so that we know what, who, who, the, the, only if only one or two groups could pull off that assassination and make sure everything happened. The army was in the day. A third of the American army was in the air that day. The cabinet was on its way to, to Japan. The code book had been removed. The phone system of Washington was cut down. This was a major military operation. Only one huge big group, which we know where, you know, where that centered and Garrison uh, mentioned it and Clay Shaw was all Vatican. All right. Uh, yeah. Nelson, before I let you go, I know you've been working on a new website, but I don't know if I don't want to tell tells out of school. Is that ready to announce or, or do we no, keep, not, yet. not yet? All right. Well, we'll make it a big announcement when that's ready. To yeah, go. at the right time. But anyway, 2016 is going to be uh, certainly a lot of pillage hastens, unfortunately, and earthquakes and a lot of the weather disturbances. And uh, it's going to be interesting. But people have to set fast in their seatbelt because the unexpected will happen. All right, Nelson, my friend. Thank you and happy new year. Thanks a lot, Richard. And the show will just can go nowhere but up in 2016 because people are starved for the truth. I appreciate that. Nelson Thal, media Good scientist. Good night. All right. Uh, let's say hi to Bill in Cambridge. Hello. Hi, Bill. Yeah, great to get in. Uh, we have one of those um, dolls that's dressed up as a hobo, and Ellen Guiley's been talking about... Oh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, yes. Yeah, about getting rid of those. Now... I'm having trouble with um, with someone here about not wanting to let it go now. Oh wait a second! Now let's just just to clarify, uh, you have a clown. Uh, someone has collected clowns, and you have a clown. It's dressed as a hobo, as they often were, like Red Skelton. We remember that. Yeah, it's and you two, two feet tall or so. Yeah. And this one, this clown is what? It's it's acting strangely. I just have a bad feeling about it. But we've put it we put it down in the basement. And I'm wondering. If if that's adequate to safeguard it from your knowledge, or do you need to do something else with it? Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're getting a bad vibe from this clown, and a lot of us do. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? Rosemary is going to be on the program next week. Yeah. So I'm going to ask her about that. I, I'd appreciate that because because see, there's some sentimental 
value to a member of the family. Sure. And she doesn't want to dump it. You know, I I just as soon let it go. But I'm having problems. Now, on when did you start getting these bad vibes from this clown? Oh, um, a member of the family passed, and it was sent over to us, and I had a bad feeling. And I've heard um, Rosemary Ellen Guiley talking about. Well, dolls, yeah, because they, if it's a favorite item of someone and they pass, yeah. the, the theory goes that they could attach themselves, their spirit right. uh, or energy or whatever, yes. could attach themselves to that particular artifact, and then you bring it into your house like an antique, for example, yes. and then things start to change. So yes. um, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, I'm sure, um, will, will suggest some sort of a cleansing yeah. uh, ritual. Oh, that'd be great. And I will, um, I'll put that to her. Bill, thank you so much for checking in from Cambridge. Back next week, Patty Greer, Mercury Poisoning, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. And what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home. <laughs>